welcome to The Perfect Blend, the podcast where we pair the books we read with a delicious cup of tea. I'm Shelley Haskell. And I'm Candy Beaker. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Perfect Blend. This is Candy. And this is Shelley. And as always, we are so glad you decided to join us for our books and tea this week. Um, we are talking about The Haunting of Hill House. It's an old one. Yes, by Shirley Jackson. That's right. Shirley Jackson is a very interesting character for sure herself. She's interesting. Yes, she is. I I learned a little bit more about her because of this. She was born in San Francisco in 1916. She attended Syracuse University where she met her husband. They married and had four children. They both were literary people. She was there for writing. She was first published in 1948 with a book called The Road Through the Wall. That's an interesting title. Yeah, it is. And she... She wrote articles for The New Yorker. She only wrote for about 20 years, but she published six novels, two memoirs, and 200 short stories. She's best known for The Lottery, which almost everybody I'm sure has read, and The Haunting of Hill House, which a lot of people I'm sure have read as well. Yeah, maybe. There are actually two movie adaptions of it, The Haunting. And unbeknownst to me, we have been watching horror movies, Halloween movies, and my husband had one on, and Catherine Zeta-Jones was in it, and she was going through this house. I didn't realize until I started reading the book that it was the latest version of The Haunting. And in the introduction, Are you talking about The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix? The series? No, 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 no. No, you're the talking movie. The Haunting. It's, it's a 1990s movie. movie. Oh, yes. And Kat- okay. Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it. And in the introduction, okay. it says, don't watch that one. <laughs> watch the six, 1960s, the earlier version of The Haunting. That that was really good. I want to see both. I want to see how they make this into a movie. Well, I think I would like to see the 1960s. I don't know if I've seen the one in the 90s, but I do know that The Haunting of Hill House now is not like the book at all, but it could be taking place could be taking place in the house. I don't know. The the one right now is kind of weird. It's similar. I think it's just inspired. Yeah. Not the same characters or anything like that. Okay. Well, you know something else interesting about Shirley Jackson is she had dual personality writing because she wrote for magazines and she wrote stories about family life, autobiographical sketches, and they were compiled in Life Among the Savages and Raising Demons. So on the one hand, she wrote for magazines and she wrote about family life mm-hmm. and her big boisterous home. And then she would write these horror stories with these not really lovable main characters mm-hmm. and just a, two very different sides of the coin in her writing. That's interesting because I, I remember seeing the Life of uh, Raising Demons, mm-hmm. whatever that one was. I saw that as one of the titles, but there was something that came up about her memoirs being um, influential to like Irma Bombach. And I was like going, how does that work? But now I see the connection that uh-huh. I need to go back and see some of those memoirs because they're more like family life and and the, and the craziness of raising children and all that kind of stuff. Right. And they had moved to Vermont and because he, he was a college professor, but she did not want to move on to the college campus. She got a house somewhere in, in the area, but she really didn't like the town so much. They were outsiders. It was kind of one of those places where if you, know, you hadn't been there since gra- your grandmother's time, you were a newcomer and you were a stranger. Yeah. And an introduction, it 
was talking about how that comes across in her stories, mm-hmm. that how you're an outsider in, a, in the town. I think some of the things that happen in her life really come across in her horror stories. Uh, well, we both must have really dug into her because, yeah, I um her, her mother was not very good to her. No. She had a rough situation with that. She also became pretty much agoraphobic and did not want to leave her house. In her later years, she was not very uh, healthy to herself. No. Uh, a strange duplicity in her world, majorly. Mm-hmm. I also read that Elizabeth Moss is going to do a biopic about her soon. So, oh, okay. You know, so this that'd is... be cool to look, <laughs> listen to. We both want to thank you for giving us a listen. We would love it if you would leave comments or book suggestions and leave a five star review on Apple or Spotify if you enjoy your time with us. Yes, that would be wonderful because we would like to hear what books you want to hear about and what teas we pair them with. But what tea are you drinking? That's I went back tea. to Valhalla Tea Company. Mm-hmm. I had got the Santa Marta, the Holy Holy Death. Let me see it. Oh my gosh. And Santa Muerte. <laughs> yeah, Santa Muerte. I was oh, having trouble. I wanted a- to do the insane cinnamon because this really, I think this book to me dealt with insanity. I think so. Or, you know, that <laughs> succumbing to insanity. But I've done that and I hadn't tried the Santa Muerte yet. So this is an Earl Grey. It's got no- notes of tart raspberry, soothing lavender, and crisp rose. Mm. Each sip will gradually ease your worries and leave you with a desire to know life with renewed vigor. That sounds good. It really does. I love the picture. I just love, I love Valhalla T's artwork. I don't know who their artist is, but they have the coolest stuff. That's mm-hmm. a pretty cool one. And that one's pretty good for like Day of the really Dead. Good. Yeah. And I made fire cider. So I put a spoonful of that in to sweeten it. <laughs> so it's got a little zing to zing. it with the lemon huh, and the honey. Mm-hmm. What are you uh, drinking? I, I had grabbed something from Plum Deluxe the last time I ordered from there. And I hadn't had this one yet. And it's called Bookshop Blend White. But it's got cinnamon and black currants. At one Ooh. with the cinnamon and also old bookshop made me think about this finding this book in an old bookshop like I did and the cinnamon <laughs> reminded me of Eleanor because one of the weirdest things when she was talking about her white how she was going to have everything all white yeah her white she's like my white cat and my white grapes and all this the stuff white stone lions <laughs> and I will go to the store and I will pick up some cinnamon <laughs> it was yeah well, I can't I'm wait like, to get what I can't a weird wait to thing. dive into her she was weird oh and I want to say that I am using my Relax Aww. and Just Embrace the Crazy mug from the Chronicles of St. Mary's. I love this. I was so excited for this. Thank you so much because I wanted her merch so much and I put it off. You know, I put mm. it in the shopping cart and then I got distracted and I just closed out the internet and forgot about it. That's always, but uh, this is from yes. our book, Just One Damn Thing After Another. It's from that author. It's her merch and I love it. And this is me. Relax, Relax. and Embrace the Crazy. We're just going to have fun with it. I know. (laughs) All the time. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I I thought it fit. (laughs) Yes, I love it. (laughs) All right. So our book, The House on Haunted Hill. The Haunting of Hill House. (laughs) The Haunting of Hill House. Is that? Yes. I get it wrong every time. I I know I'm going to say it wrong and I, I just psych myself out to do it. So four guests come together at Hill House and they are there to take notes on the peculiarities of this house. One of the participants or the guests is a doctor who has arranged for this to happen and he wants them to take notes on their experience because he wants to delve into the supernatural in his his studies and come up with some scientific research to back up his opinions. I guess that come out with a scholarly publication 
conversation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he invites, gosh, it's so weird, right? He invites Eleanor and Theodora. And I guess Luke had to come along. Yeah, the owners of the house said that someone who was representing the family had to be there, I guess, to ensure they didn't tear the house up or do anything crazy. And, you know, for all this scholarly talk, he wanted this to be a scholarly research paper that was going to put put Splash's name out there. But the way he went about finding people, he went through all the back of the ads and things, and it seemed like it was for Supernatural or, you know, maybe tabloids. And he was looking for people that had had experiences. And where he went looking for people to be his guests, I thought was really interesting. He didn't go about it in a very scientific way. It was very random, but it wasn't very scientific. So I don't know if that in and of itself is important or if if it's relevant or if if it just kind of goes to show that he wants to be important, but he really isn't that great at what he does. Well, we do find out that he probably isn't that great at what he does, I suppose. But, um, you know, his he is in the occult and groups of people. He's into seances. He's into finding out the ghost stories. Yes. He's out there look, looking for the unusual. And Eleanor had this strange experience in her lifetime where these stones just started raining in on her house when she was a young girl. And it was her and her sister and her mother were experiencing this. But the neighborhood, the scary neighbors that don't that don't like you already were outside paparazzi-ish like. And, it, and it, then it was like he found something out about that. And that's why he picked her because she had some sort of paranormal experience. Right. And Theodora had some other paranormal. She, like was, she was sort good of a at psychic. reading cards from another room. Yeah, she could, just that psychic thing. But yeah, really, just random. random. It's like he was really picking at straws or stretching uh-huh. to try to find somebody. I know um, it's they're kind it was, of strange. And yeah, then so, we had the creepy Dudleys. I don't know. Do you know what this book reminded me of? It reminded me of The Shining. Yeah, a like lot of the people yeah. were trapped, uh-huh. kind of there, or they yep. were this spirit. They had to leave by dark she just mm-hmm. repeated herself over and over again to them no no straying from that it's Mm-mm. like no breaking of character nope and it was very very strange their part i clear at 10 the dishes have to be back on the shelves and put in place Mm-hmm. It's like the house controlled them or they were compelled or something to be there. They were very strange. And she would only be there and she kept saying, I can't be here after dark. Nobody will hear mm-hmm. you. We'll be home miles away. Mm-hmm. I'll be back in the morning. I'll take care of things then. Very strange. And, and the one time he wanted a cup of coffee and she told Dr. Montague, no. Mm-mm, no, <laughs> that's not happening. It was this, it becomes more and more oppressive. It becomes slightly, I don't know trippy almost like everybody's on some kind of hallucinogenic thing at different times yeah. the house is definitely a character most it definitely is, it is i was thinking about that because in the last book we were talking about you were like i thought the house we were talking about deliverances connie's grandmother's house and you were like i was thinking the house would become this character like it was more of an yes. entity or whatever and then i was like well this one is definitely that kind candy because this house is the crazy house and it wants to keep everything dark and mm-hmm. close closed. Mm-hmm. It won't allow them to prop open doors or open doors. The doors swing shut. They, they'll prop them open and everything will be back in place the way it was. And they can't find their way through places. I guess
guess there it's rooms within the inside where there are no windows. And mm -hmm. then on the outer, outer edge of that, there are rooms that go out to the veranda because the veranda goes all the way around. And it has a stone tower. It has all these elements that don't belong together. There's another book it reminds me of. Uh, there's one that I read a long time ago and all these horrible things were happening in this house and it ended up being the architect who was the evil element and the way he designed the house and built it and it all came back to him mm -hmm. and not the people who were in the house. It wasn't the house or the people. It was the person who built it. So it's almost like this house was built just for evil. <laughs> Yeah, I think, well, for sure, the Winchester house was a model for this. And the Winchester house is one where the architect kept building and then the wife kept having people add to it. There was doors to nowhere and things that were stairs that didn't match. This mm -hmm. is not right. So if you study about the Winchester house, you know, I think that was the thing she was modeling after a little bit. But the man, Mr. Crane, the original builder, owner, he was crazy. <laughs> I'm just going to say. That man was well, crazy. <laughs> yes. And as they're in the house and the doctor is studying the house, he notices that it looked like things are at right angles like it's supposed to be, but everything is slightly off. Mm -hmm. And that makes everything askew. You're supposed to be able to see something from your window, but what you think you're seeing out your window, you're off. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work. It's just, it just was a bizarre house. And so they go to this house. The doctor Montague finds out that this house house has a history of being haunted and he's trying to find some paranormal activity and he hires these guests to come and just take notes and what they observe without any prejudice about the house but they end up making him tell them about the house and the history behind it and then all these things start happening and they, they're strange they're, yes it is very strange and you wonder at times at first everybody seems to be experiencing something but the women experience one thing and the men experience something something else. They do. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking back about there were times when I was feeling like, okay, this is all in one person's head. Yes. I thought that for sure this was a woman's breakdown. And then there were times when everybody was experiencing the phenomena. And so we've had that, well, it's not just Eleanor having these experiences because they all at one time, they all would either be upset or mad. And then they would all sometimes feel very euphoric. Mm -hmm. They saw this weird family out on picnic and they easily got lost and turned around from places that they were at one moment and then they would be not in the right place later. They were like, I don't know. And then sometimes they would forget that anything happened. Well, it, it was wasn't all weird. very strange. And we and we start off with Eleanor and Eleanor is not a stable person to begin with. She lives with her sister. She is ruled by her sister. She's and ruled she by her to, mother, I guess, too. Yes. You know that she took care of her mother and her mother was not kind to her. It wasn't a good situation. Just not a happy person character at all. Mm -mm. And the car that is half hers, she's having to argue with her sister about taking it on this trip that she's been chosen to go to. And her sister is saying, "Is it's basically like, oh, she's gaslights her so badly. It was just terrible. Mm -hmm. You know, she's saying the car is half mine. Mm -hmm. No, it wouldn't be a good thing to take it. It wouldn't be safe. We wouldn't know where you are. What if? What if this happened? What if that happened? Mm -hmm. And that just totally negating that she has any say whatsoever. And then the whole trip, okay, do you do that? So when Eleanor's going, 
going towards Hill House. She's having all these fantasies, all these fairy tale <laughs> fantasies about yes. everything she sees. And it cracked me up because that is, I do stuff like that. I mean, not to that yeah. extreme, <laughs> but you see something, you wonder, how did it, well, what are those people doing? What do they do when they get home from work? Uh-huh. If that were my house, what would I do different? What would uh-huh. I do? And so I kind of got tickled at that because it's like, well, Eleanor, you know, that's not a bad thing. A lot of people do that. She just has these elaborate daydreams about these places that she's seeing on the way. And she does. And I have the, I mean, I think we all go through that a little bit. And yeah, I mean, everybody would do something like that, but she takes it as she doesn't know what other people do. So she thinks anything she's doing is strange, unusual, or probably just not right. Because I think she's just been berated by her mom and her sister so much, but you know, it was, it was strange, but that's where she was talking about her, her white apartment with the white cats and the white, and that's where she said, and I'll go get cinnamon and milk and whatever. And I'll, I'll read people's cards. Yeah. (laughs) But my house will be off and nobody will be able to find me. It'll be hidden by Oleander and I will have a garden and I will, I will raise white cats and I'll have my two stone lions outside of it. She takes all these elements of things that she sees as she's passing houses to build her fairy tale land. I think you're right about that. That was funny. (laughs) We get this picture of Eleanor that she's sad that this is going to be the adventure of a lifetime for her, that she has actually been brave enough to step out of the confines of what her family tells her she can do. Yeah. So it's, it's like, good for you. Good for you. And then she gets there. She's the first one there. And Mr. Dudley, the caretaker, doesn't even want to let her in and is very surly with her. And she kind of has a little gumption and tells him to let her in. I know. She's knowing her, to be here. Knowing her after that moment, that was probably one of the most brave things she ever did. Yes. And to, then when she got in there, she was very unsure if she should even and be there herself. She it felt very ominous. It was she had a lot of intrepidness about going in and should she stay there. But as soon as she got in, it's like a different emotion took over. I'm mm-hmm. home kind of a thing. It was very quick to change and it definitely Well she would go from thinking one thing about this isn't safe. It doesn't feel good here to I'm home. Uh I have people. I have people that I belong with now. Uh And I guess as it starts to go, my thought on this was this was us seeing Eleanor's slow unraveling. And possibly, yes, the house did have some manifestation there. There is something wrong with Hill House. Nobody will stay there. Anybody who's rented it or tried to buy it will not stay there. The relatives don't want to stay there. Nobody in the town will even talk about the place. Mm -hmm. And so there's something going on there. It's kind of like you wonder what well, first you see everybody's experiencing. They're getting lost. The doors don't shut. They feel the cold when they walk through that one room to the nursery. Mm-hmm. And then Eleanor will say something. And the way the author says that people look at her, the other people look at her. It's like, okay, did that really happen? Mm-hmm. Because the way the author describes it, they're looking at her like something's not right. <laughs> well, she does seem... She She's definitely, she grabs onto Theodora yes. in a way that is definitely strange. Did I mean, you think it was with a homosexual undercurrent to it? Did you get that? Because some people 
I mean, it could have been of that. It could have been, but I would say that if there was a, a, a sexual attraction there, it would for Eleanor. I think it it was just so unusual that somebody was kind to her. Yes, that's and what that I think somebody it was. was just being another female bonding moment that would be a normal thing. Let's go have a picnic. Let's talk, and then and Theodore's like, "We're we should be cousins. We have so many things alike." She said, and, "We you should know, be sisters." Yeah, and and then. Eleanor thought cousins. Uh-huh. We should be cousins. I believe that. I think that too, because I, I one of the Shirley Jackson wrote a letter to somebody and she was complaining about a British scholar who said that it had that homosexual undertone to it, that there was that relationship that was unspoken of. And I didn't get that. I got exactly what you said, that she finally had somebody who was kind to her, but she was so her, her headspace was so not healthy that she would look for the insult or she would look for something negative in every interaction she had with Theodora mm-hmm. to the point where she was no longer thinking nice thoughts about Theodora. She turned so, her she turned it herself. It really wasn't anything Theodora did. It was more, I think, Eleanor, her insecurities and probably her learned behavior that I'm not worthy. Nobody's really mm-hmm. friendly with me to be friendly with me. There's an underlying sarcasm sarcasm or something underneath it. I felt that I really was thinking if she was not crazy, which I think she was crazy when she came in for sure. And she definitely was crazy at the end. But I also think that that ability, she had some psychic connections. She was definitely had that. I think she was psychically linked to the house and probably the daughters and that were there. And I think their, their ghost might be there or the wife's ghost or the dad's ghost or whatever. The original family are still rambling in there. And I also thought that some of that was maybe one of the sisters was trying to bring her in, come back with me, be like a ghost sister and trying to pull her onto the other side or the house itself just manifested so many weird things that it manifested evil intent in their minds. Because I definitely know that the house took over some of their emotional states of being at different times. So it's a ghost story in that sense. It's not your typical ghost story and a lot of people probably wouldn't get it because they would be looking for thrills and scares and jumps out and jumps and booze I guess. I don't know. Because it's not your typical ghost story. No, it's a very cerebral ghost story. It's a very Mm -hmm. psychological Mm -hmm. ghost story. I don't think the sisters really have anything. I think the house. I think the house realized what a gem they had in Eleanor and it it wanted to keep her. Mm -hmm. She had that weak. It was easy to break her, I guess, because at the beginning, everybody's experiencing stuff. Mm-hmm. But then as the story goes along, it's almost alluded to that Eleanor is the one having these incidents. Everybody keeps looking at her strangely. Dr. Montague says more than once, if I thought that, I would send you home right away. Mm-hmm. And it starts to accelerate that those things are happening. And then all these things Eleanor is experiencing <laughs> don't really seem to be really what's happening. So let's talk about the 
writing on the wall. <laughs> everybody saw that, right? Everybody yes. saw. Everybody saw it. But then, did everybody see Theodora's clothes? No. See, that... that's what I. That's what I was thinking. Maybe that was something that Eleanor was imagining. Yes. And Theodora is just like, okay, yeah, sure. That it's okay. I'll wear your clothes. I like maybe think... she's playing along. I do, and I think that's where we're seeing these incidents that happened are things that either Eleanor put in place as part of wanting to be in the house or the house doing that to her mind or she's just doing these things and then in the end it's being revealed to us that these things didn't happen that these are things that Eleanor is either making happen or is a part of that's what hard for me to tell what was what was just something that she saw or something that she may have done when nobody was around right or what might have been a a paranormal event Uh, and I think that is definitely intentional in the writing. Oh, I do too. And that's where you have to wonder. And also, this reminds me a lot of Yellow Wallpaper or some one of those stories where the where the women just start to become unraveled and their mind is not sound because of the stresses of everything that you have to be under, I suppose, as a woman at that time. And how everybody just kind of tiptoes around her. And so you they yeah. might play along with it. But in the story, you couldn't tell if they were playing along or if it really did happen. Right. Because, you know, at the beginning, they all have that banter. Uh-huh. They all have banter. And she participates in this banter. She uh-huh. makes up this whole life that she doesn't have mm-hmm. to seem like she fits in. But then, as they go along, Luke is more serious. Theodora mm-hmm. will say something a little more serious or she'll be exasperated. And Eleanor's like, oh, they don't like me. I'm not part of the group anymore. I'm not mm-hmm. this. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I have to get back in good graces. So that's where I started to think, I think this is, I think, I think. Eleanor is delusional in some of these things. Mm-hmm. What is she experiencing in her head versus what's actually happening? And is she becoming the phenomenon they're taking notes on? Because yeah, it, maybe. more things seem to happen Because he is definitely writing stuff down. And, that, and they all are starting to look at her sharply. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're responding to her seriously, not jokingly. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing, it just, it, she does a good job of making it ambiguous ambiguous so that it's not spelled out that this is her going crazy or that is it really the house making Mm -hmm. her pulling her in or does she just she doesn't want to leave this house I mean why would you want to go back to your other existence there's no way I would ever I would keep driving or and she was saying too so all the stuff we talked about her sister and the and living at her sister's and the car at the end near the end she's just talking about how she doesn't have anything this is all she ever has this is all she's ever had this is and so I'm wondering if the house has like erased a little bit of her mind like she doesn't think there's anything outside the walls of hill house like she's like i can't go anywhere i can't go there there's nothing out there and she was at one point i thought she was thinking there's nothing out there for me and then i think she was like a ghost in her mind like there's nothing out there this is all of reality this is the only place there is it was just very strange well at one point she told theo she's coming with her Mm -hmm. and theo's you know basically no you're not (laughs) (laughs) i got a lot you got life. You have told me you have an apartment and you have all this stuff. You've got a nice life to go back to. And that's when she telling them, I don't, I don't have, have anything. anything. I don't have anything. I, I got no place to go back to. I don't want to leave. And they're insistent on her. I guess the house or whatever has, they realize she's ha- having a mental break and trying to get her out of the house. I want to talk about Mrs. Montague and Arthur. Well, I think they're comic relief, but they needed to come a little bit earlier in the story. 
oh my God. And I felt so sorry for Dr. Montague because he might not have been that great at what he did as a professor, as a doctor, uh, uh, but I liked him. I thought he was just an amiable kind of fellow. Yes. And then his wife comes and oh, impossible. She was impossible. She just, was. The way she, this is how it's going to be. And I need to have a conversation with Miss Dudley and blah, 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 blah. But I was surprised that the planchet came through. I wasn't expecting mm-hmm. that. I thought everything she did was just for show and upstaging her husband with Arthur. I was like, what's the deal with Arthur? It's like her husband is the cuckold with, with <laughs> Maybe. that one. Yeah. It's like, what is going on? <laughs> that might on be where the homosexuality, maybe that's just her gay best friend. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. She was a piece of work. It was just very weird. But she was the only thing that was really alive in that house. Yes. To me, everything else was in some sort of hazy twilight area of reality. Her disdain for the four of them. They weren't Mm -hmm. doing anything. And because of them, the planchet wasn't going to work because no spirit wanted to talk to anybody in that house. I will just say, I know we took a deep, deep dive into this. Once you read it, you have to talk about it. There's too many weird things and what we're trying to get at. And I'm sure millions of people have had conversations about this book. And I don't feel like we're taking too much away from it, but you have to have a talk about this book when you read it. Yeah. I read the introduction. It basically told you it was going to happen in the book and I still Mm -hmm. was enthralled with it. I wanted to talk about the Shakespeare quote that is kind of a sing-song recurrence for Eleanor throughout journeys end and lovers meeting and it kept coming up and it kept coming up so Mm -hmm. of course i looked up according to cora lovers are more like twin souls separated by birth who relentlessly seek their counterpart all their life i assume that hill house is eleanor's soulmate twin soul Mm -hmm. she's found where she wants to be she did not know how to think for herself i think she had been beat down so much in her life that she just had nothing One time she looked in the mirror and she said, you are happy, Eleanor. You have finally been given a part of your measure of happiness. And that's just so sad because she thought everybody had to give her happiness. There was no seeking it out herself. That part of her, I guess they just, they killed that part of her ability to do that. I think she was raised in a a very narcissistic family and she was just the Cinderella, it seems. Yeah, she was like the Cinderella that just kind of was told to do things but she is not stable for other reasons and I do think she's psychically in tuned and she probably was much more she just didn't have a filter things just went right through her she couldn't yes. stop things she couldn't no. she couldn't keep them out if something was a there was strange one little part of her that would think this is what I need to do I need to keep my mouth closed I need to do this and then she would do the say the exact opposite that's right one of the other quotes that comes up that was very interesting to me was no live organism can continue for long to exist sanely under conditions of absolute reality. Like I had to keep reading that for a minute. Even Larks and Katie dids are supposed by some to dream. So that was actually in there a couple of times too. And it was to me, and Dr. Montague was like, Hill House is reality. This is, I think Eleanor always lived in a fantasy world. And so when she got to someplace that was everybody else was seeing things for what it was, or maybe seeing her for what she is, or she's seeing other people in reality, that really frightened her too. But mm-hmm. it was just an interesting way. And that's, I think, a Shirley Jackson quote for sure. That's something that she wrote. And it's just a very interesting way to say that we can't always live 
in the realness of life. We have to have some dream and mystery and fantasy in our world. It's almost like the opposite of what was happening in this story in some ways. It's almost like she would snap out of her dream world Mm -hmm. to see reality. Mm -hmm. She would be talking about the house and these things that were happening. And then it was almost as if she was shaken awake by a very serious something that Luke said to her. Mm-hmm. And at one time, even Theodora says says to her that she should go home. I have a mm-hmm. premonition that you should go home. Mm-hmm. It's the exact opposite. Eleanor is in a dream world, but that's how she has survived right. this horrid existence that she had. Mm-hmm. The fantasy, because her life was so miserable. And then whatever this house has, mm-hmm. this presence, it speaks to her. Yeah, this is going to be your place. You don't have to worry about reality anymore. You're home. Mm-hmm. If left you questioning what really happened. And I love that because it's not a definite. And even at the end where whoever walks the house walks alone, Mm -hmm. you assume she's talking about Eleanor, but is she? Very strange story. I'm glad I read it. I'm glad we had talked about it. It's not as spooky as you might think if you're thinking of something scary, but it is definitely paranormal and strange. And it's meant to be. And all of these duplicitous things that we've talked about, I think, are definite intended experiences for the reader. Most definitely. This is a thinking mm-hmm. kind of spook story. Mm-hmm. There were moments when I was thinking of The Shining and how the mm-hmm. hotel drew the writer in like he belonged with them. Mm-hmm. He had the psyche that the hotel fed off of. That's and right. I, Eleanor was the same with Hill House. Mm-hmm. The house was drawn to her because of her psyche mm-hmm. and her mental fragility. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with you on that. I love her writing. I think it's a good thing too, to go back and read books where maybe you have to think a little bit about the language. Yes. You don't have the language and the turn of a phrase so much. There There's a couple of things when I was doing some research and when I was reading this, I read older Gothic stuff too. So I definitely had a feeling of Edgar Allan Poe. I felt the way that it read to me was very much in that style. And even a little bit of like um, H.P. Lovecraft. I I don't know if you've read much of him, but I've read a few things. There was like the color out of space. It's just the tone. It was hard to say, but it was just this weird creepiness where everything sort Mm -hmm. of was like these weird, unusual things were not thrown at you like kabam here's this wild stuff it was more just slowly you are absorbed into the story and you're in it and that just creeps in on you yeah it creeps in on you uh so that's how i felt with both of those and with this i kind of felt at different times like i was reading something by that author it's just a long time ago Mm -hmm. yeah it's not modern it's like me with ray bradbury Mm -hmm. i love all of his october country all the short stories i just love his craft Mm-hmm. I love his writing. And it's good to delve into something that makes you slow down and think a little bit. Yeah. We really went into this and I am glad that we did. I think I everybody should give this one a read. If you haven't read it, you need to. You yes. might have a whole different take on it than what we did. Exactly. You might not see everything that we saw, or you might think that we're just elucidating on something that was straight up. No, <laughs> that's not how it went. Right. A totally <laughs> different opinion. And I am going to watch both versions of the movies, the 
60s and the 90s mm-hmm. version. And I can't believe I was watching it. And the only reason I realized it, because I didn't see the beginning, I just saw a snippet of it while I was doing other things. And Mrs. Dudley was mm-hmm. saying, I'm not mm-hmm. here. I set the table, dinner's at six, and I don't come at night. And she kept repeating it just like she did in the book. And when I was reading the book, I went, I think we were watching this movie. So I went and or, looked it up. Or everything is getting really creepy. And I'm these things are repeating in my life. Yeah, I went and did a side search and... I was like, oh, we were watching this. I told my husband that I held the book up and I said, this is the book we're getting ready to do a podcast on. Mm-hmm. And that is the movie we were watching the other day. And he said, no way. It's like, mm-hmm. now we have to go back and watch the whole thing. I got to watch it. See what so it's I all put about. A link, I have a link on our stuff that we'll post that has, at least from Wikipedia, the three different movies that were adapted from two okay, for, from the Hill House and one from the Bird's Nest was another story. So there's a link on there for that. And there's a link for when. Winchester House, which is creepy in and of itself. If you don't want to try House on a Haunted Hill and you haven't read The Lottery, mm-hmm. then definitely read that. Yeah, That was the best. That has stuck with me my entire life. It infuriated me then and it infuriates me now. But you know, I mean, we don't stone people, but that mob mentality is still. And, and oh yeah, she, that mob mentality. She took it to the extreme. She really does write about things that are happening. Mm-hmm. She has a, a strong feminine point of view side too. I mean, I also read her Salem Witch Trials. It was a nonfiction piece. It was very short. You can read it in an hour. It's it's short, but it was interesting. She was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Very talented. Yeah. We could talk about Shirley Jackson. We can keep talking about Shirley Jackson, but we're going to have to get off of here. Yeah, you have something better to do. You need to get a copy of one of her books or maybe pull up on Netflix, the Netflix version or try one of the movies and see how it compares. We will be back next week. Same TV time same tea channel with a new book and new teas yep (laughs) (laughs) and until then you can find us on the usual places we're spotify google apple podcasts we are on instagram the perfect blend underscore sc facebook the perfect blend and our webpage, right the hyphen perfect hyphen blend.com until next time until next time read Read and and sip sip on. on